Real quick before we get into this, our overall vision is to work towards one, eradicate all racial inequalities within the UK and two, inspire a generation of change makers. And you can help us to realise this vision by sharing this message as far and wide as possible. If you leave us a rating or a review on your preferred podcasting platform, this is going to help us in one, getting the message out further afield, two, attracting more guests onto the platform, and three, inspiring a generation of change makers so that we can work towards a better UK and a world for us all. It should only take about 10 seconds and it doesn't have to be an in-depth review, but it would mean the world to me. Thank you very much. I'm I'm Jamaican, walking around a town that's not diverse and people ask, where are you from? I always would answer that you know my father's Jamaicans proudly so I chose to try and leave a legacy and um, I think there's lots of talent in the Caribbean. We were able to talk with the Olympic Association and the excitement there for equestrian sport is, is something that motivated me because seeing a Jamaican team in my lifetime is something that would be oh, a dream come true. All right, what's going on, people? Welcome to 1000 Voices, where we are on a mission to interview 1000 Black British changemakers. And today, I'm very, very excited to invite our very lovely and amazing guest onto the podcast, the lovely and amazing Miss Lydia Hayward. Yeah, thank you, Tevin. <laughs> oh, it's touching to get your invite. No, how are you? I'm well. Travel from Wiltshire, Gloucestershire, from horses to here and yeah nowhere else I'd rather be yeah, thanks for the invite no, I'm so happy to have you on you know <laughs> and I feel like this is going to be a great a great conversation and I feel like you know towards the end of 22 2022 so we recorded like our 2022 roundup video and I was like 2023 what I want to do is to get more diverse guests on I want people from outside London first of all and I want people from atypical backgrounds uh and then it looks like the universe has answered my yeah. <laughs> and manifested it because brilliant well right I, I think people in the countryside sometimes forget that there's life outside the countryside and maybe that's the case for Londoners you know forgetting there's life outside of London so yeah, yeah, we shine a light on all I, sorts of I, things I, in this I, conversation I think our, us Londoners are trapped in a bubble we live in a bubble you know we, we don't know what's happening outside London so yeah happy there's pros and here. cons to that <laughs> yeah. happy to have you here to shed some light on that all so before we kick uh, kick things off for people who may not be familiar with yourself and the work you do, do you mind giving us a really brief introduction as to who you are? Um, and also, in your introduction, talk about why you do what you do. Absolutely. Well, I'm Lydia Hayward. I've always had an entrepreneurial, competitive spirit about me. And horses really have been my focus since I got started, age 11. I don't do things by half. So um, when my mum took me for that first riding lesson, um, it was oh, just a case of feeling like I belonged in the saddle. So I continued and trying to network in the sport to find people that will stand with us and support us in, in the journey because now I've got Olympic goals and I represent Jamaica in the sport. You know, it's been oh, five years now that I've represented Jamaica and I claim my citizenship through descent of my grandfather, which allowed me to find such a big part of me. And I want to be able to uh, help others do the same. And I've got a fantastic network called Cool Ridings. And we are existing to celebrate and support diversity in equestrian sport. I was lonely in the sport along the years mm. and I hope the next generation don't have to feel the same. So we're, we're making good strides towards making positive change now. And hopefully you'll hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. That's amazing. Love what you're doing with Cool Ridings as well in all the work you're doing. 
So to kick things off, I'd like to start off with setting a bit of context, talking about your background, your upbringing and that kind of thing. Sure. With you, so when I was looking into your profile and doing a bit of research, I was quite surprised that you're very young. You're quite young. And you've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> like I feel, because usually I feel that people that are really driving change in industries and actively fighting, you know, for like, like what you're doing, Usually, I've in my own experience, I mean, people tend to be a bit older mm. or whatnot, and you're you're very young um, and doing a hell of a lot of good work. And I'm just interested, looking at your background, and your upbringing. Do you, in what way, do you feel like that's shaped who you are today and the work you're doing? Like, what role has that played? Thank you. I'm very hungry to get to where I want to be, and I know that if I really work now to not do things that I should be doing in my 30s, maybe do them in my 20s, then we'll get further quicker. You know, there is a lot of ground to cover within equestrian sport. I'm just so hungry to, to see positive change that the work's got to get started now, quite frankly. Um, I don't have all the answers, but there are people that have found confidence with cool ridings, and, you know, that has motivated me to do bigger and better projects. Um, you know, this past year in 2022 I was contacted for fantastic projects around you know the Serena Williams celebration and maybe you spotted that on my channels um, you know I, I do want to be able to be an athlete with many strings to my bow I've grown up in a household where you know horses weren't really something that we could afford we constantly lived beyond our means and the network of knowledgeable people wasn't around us so you know time's of the essence to, to build a team capable of getting you to the olympics it takes years so i've just got to get started now yeah definitely can you paint a picture as to what your childhood looked like maybe what the environment was like mm. um family you know just what was it like for you growing yeah. up well, I have been reflecting on my upbringing because my mother passed away in October 2022. So I'm just trying to piece some things together. I really enjoyed my rabbits. I used to breed rabbits before I had horses. And I think I've always had a fashion for animals. My father was never in the picture. So single parent household and mum just went above and beyond to make sure that f food was on the table. And, you know, it was based... Some, some things like meeting mortgage repayments were a challenge. Um, at that point, we had horses and responsibilities, so I felt that I had to contribute as well. So there was a pressure to earn as a teenager, um, whether that be selling Nike trainer collections on eBay or importing horses from Ireland and selling them to clients here. You know, I had my fingers in many pies and I guess that's that's followed me to where I am now as a 25 year old. I've, I've got to be able to keep spinning lots of plates. Mm, mm, yeah. That's what my mum did. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm very sorry to hear about your mum. Um, wasn't too long ago, actually, was it? What was, um, how important was she for you in your, when you was, getting into your horse riding very young you started when you was 11 years old i believe that's right um how was how important was she in you getting into horse riding in the first place absolutely pivotal yeah an 11 year old isn't able to drive herself to the yard you know it took my mum's um passion to originally suggest horses and you know that was after i did a little bit of swimming and diving extracurricular activities were really important to my mum make sure that i had things to enjoy and try and find things I was talented at as, as a young person. I, th I think that's that's a, a great aspect of, of a great parent. And um, 
you know, the horse riding sport requires an awful lot um, financially. So it was a struggle and I remember wanting things that the teenagers at the top had, the ones that were representing GB. I was in awe of them and I'd want those fancy horses that the dressage judges gave best marks to and they were always winning and the big lorries that are two and a half, 250,000 pounds, sorry. And it, it must have been painful for my mum not to be able to snap her fingers and give me that because she would have loved to, you know, she just wanted to see me go all the way and she told me that I was absolutely capable of that and I absolutely believe it to this day. So I'll continue to make her proud. Uh, and this is, this is a, a joint goal and it, it always will be. For sure. Can you talk about your early, uh, when you were first getting into your horse riding very young, uh, what that was like for you and what was the, the in terms of the, the diversity in the sport? So mm. uh, I'm aware, I've got a stat here actually. Uh, I don't know. I read this stat, is, well, I read it earlier this week, but it was as of last year. I don't, probably hasn't changed too much since then. But according to the British Equestrian, over 96% of riding centres are located in areas areas with lower than average ethnic diversity uh so and obviously that's going to manifest itself in the sport itself it's not yeah. you'd assume it's not going to be as diverse so you getting into horse riding very young mm -hmm. um probably standing out as one of the the only non-white people in the sport what was that like for you in yeah. especially early on and do you feel like it's changed at all yeah i i had quite a thick skin because i went to a school in an area where there was no diversity as well so heading into the sport it felt much the same I was taunted but again taunted at school so no biggie taunted like in um, what sense? for example putting my hat on was something that created attention so I would hide to put my hat on until the age of 20 or something ridiculous um yeah yeah how do you get all that hair in that hat all the time mm. um just making you feel like another so I stayed for the love of the horses rather than the social side like some equestrians do but I built a great team and um, and that has taken quite a while um, I I know that other young riders might struggle in pony club and things because of the lack of diversity and there are pony clubs dotted around the country it's difficult to find out how to get involved. The accessibility does need to be improved with equestrian sport. Um, British Horse Society has some answers on their website if people would like to see what local riding schools they have. But really cool ridings would like to highlight the riding schools with a fantastic culture and um, ones that you know, would be able to support riders that can represent developing nations you know in the short term that's what we need to work with to make sure that we um we can get people starting riding um there is a focus on that with the british equestrian federation now you know, getting people to start riding i'm taking that one step further because these young champions will have goals of their own within a matter of months, you know, and how do we then support them? And, and there aren't answers out there for that part. So that's where I see that a yard for developing nations to all train together towards their goals would be you know, hugely beneficial. Horse transport is such a challenge for young riders. You know, they might have 
been able to purchase their first horse with their parents' help and then they want to compete and they can't because the horse lorries that are reliable start around £20,000 and that's another Mm. outlay and um, we need to find solutions. Yeah, I think getting out, having experience at competitions is, is vital to you know, reach the top of the sport. So we need to make sure that all people are able to do that, that want to do that. For sure. You know, when you talk about horse transport, these mm. are things I'd never even considered that before, I guess, from someone from an outsider's perspective, you'd think that you, you get your horse and you're done. Uh, there's a lot more that goes into it, obviously. Yeah. Um, and the things you've got to consider, and it's quite interesting, because me, me and my wife, we moved, well, we both grew up in London, and we moved out of London in December 2020. That was it. So we moved out to a bit more of a countryside town. And it's only there. Then we see people, we see like the trucks transporting horses, horses around. And that's the image that came to my head when you start talking about horse transport, trans, transport, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of things. It seems like the, the barriers to entry to get into horse riding might be difficult, especially for people that don't even have the access. I mean, a barrier is going to be access in of itself if you're growing up in, in the city, London or any kind of a mm-hmm. big city. And then things like transport, things like purchasing a horse in the first place and maybe access to resources, like it's like a yard to help train and things like that there's a, a lot of things that maybe if you're living out in the countryside it might be a bit easier you might have more access to it if you're growing up in a city it's a bit more difficult uh and you spoke about the the british equestrian they're doing some stuff to help get more riders into the sport i'm, I'm assuming did you mean like more diverse riders or there has been uh some initiatives launched yeah around increasing diversity they're not rocking my world at the moment do you it not rocking your world in what sense? Just not doing enough. Do you feel like it's uh, improved since from 11 until now? Do you feel like there's more diversity in the sport? Marginally. Marginally, perhaps. But I have been able to create a network of riders. So I'm now exposing myself to these brilliant people and they're coming to me because I'm known as somebody that really wants to help. Um, so things have changed in that respect. Um, yeah, I, I know that the British Equestrian Federation have a kind of a 10 year plan. They think it will take 10 years to see change. And I refute that. Absolutely not. We're going to work towards a, you know, a much smaller time scale. And we've got riders that have their own horses and their own transport. And I feel like they're being dismissed. Mm, yeah. mm. I suppose maybe with the British Equestrian, there isn't that sense of urgency, which is mm. maybe why there's, why there's a 10 year plan, uh, which is a hell of a long time, a, mm. a, a long time. Um, so yeah, really applaud the work you're doing with, with Cool Ridings and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a bit about what Cool Ridings is um, and what some of the, the major goals are mm-hmm. with Cool Ridings? Sure. I really wanted to document the work I was doing with city riding schools, which it started 2017 when I got my Jamaican citizenship and I was able to go to Ebony Horse Club in Brixton, which hopefully a few people have heard of. Uh, they do incredible things and the young people there would be shocked and so happy to hear I represent Jamaica you know they didn't think of those possibilities you know all the Caucasian nations are represented and and they're receiving medals all the time but yeah you can represent Kenya St Lucia and um, we had great conversations and I I love to I love to see the excitement for that Um, sorry Tevin forgot your question Oh, just about cool ridings, what some of the, like, the goals yeah. are with cool so ridings. So I was documenting the Ebony Horse Club work and all the other young riders that I was working with and 
then suddenly 2020 happened and there was a lot of emphasis on diversity in equestrian sport mm. following incidents in the US. So I got lots of phone calls at that point from journalists and um, brands too, but I didn't want to be the only face, the only face in magazines. And I, it's about shining a light on the young talent coming up. So you know, Cool Ridings was born from a desire to do that, really shine a light on all the talent that exists currently. Uh, we have media outlets now, but you know they're focused on celebrating accomplishments of GB riders, and uh, they're on the shelves in Tesco's, etc. So I think it's important to have a platform where we we celebrate ourselves, and then that will find its way onto timelines of of people that you know might not be in our community, but are passionate about what we do, and I think. Attracting bigger sponsors is something that we can expect from diversifying the sport. You know, the viewing statistics are atrocious at the moment. And for that reason, we don't have big sponsors. It's not on mainstream television. And, you know, it's, it's something that needs to change because your riders, they're not earning much. You're not earning much money. And that is it's difficult to see when the racing world is full of wealth and mm. I feel like I should have been a jockey but um, <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd love to see the Olympic disciplines just um, become you know more more accessible really. So Cool Riders essentially is I guess is your vehicle to help realise that plan of diversifying the sport um, to provide an opportunity to people that may not have had an opportunity to get into the sport and to help to popularise it a bit more as well. Yeah. I mean, not enough people are watching Equestrian and for sure, just yeah. giving back in all respects, yeah. The sponsors that support me will now in turn support Cool Ridings with equipment. Um, we have a lot to buy as equestrian athletes, whether it's mm. for the horse or the rider. And it's just about you know, making sure that our community is able to access that. Not just me as a sponsored rider, but Cool Ridings can now get products at good prices and sometimes donations too so we're very happy that's cool can you talk with a question so assuming assume uh, i know don't know much about a question a lot of people may not know much about a question and you're an events events writer right eventing eventing that's eventing right. writer yeah can you talk about like a question just very holistically the different disciplines what eventing consists of and different disciplines that are available that people yeah. could potentially get involved in for sure, the equestrian world, you know, we have lots of, of different aspects and, you know, the four main Olympic sports. So I'm in eventing, which consists of three different phases. It's like a triathlon in that respect. You've mm. got your dressage and that is known as horse dancing sometimes. And then the show jumping, which is coloured wooden poles, sometimes uh, plastic. Yes, yes, yeah, I see you've that. got to keep them all up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see it during the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know the rules? If you hit the the stick and it falls down, you get a four second penalty. Is it? Hey, uh, full penalties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good. <laughs> yeah. So cross country is my favourite. Yeah, the solid wooden obstacles. You're galloping across terrain at speed. You know, um, that's what brought me into the sport really because I enjoyed show jumping. I just felt like it was going to be more difficult to reach the top of that sport. It requires a big checkbook. <laughs> right. But eventing. I was able to produce my horses and just make them use their body and be stronger and we can actually aim 
at the high level events without having to have an enormous outlay at the initial purchase price of the horse yeah I won't go into that too much depth but um, yeah it's it's just something that I had to work out for myself (laughs) are there ways to get into equestrian without yeah with with those those the the press basically it's gonna Mm. it's gonna make it quite difficult for a lot of people are there ways to get into it maybe without paying as much the only thing I can recommend at the moment is racing. The racing world really are leading the way, and that's because they've got British Racing School in Newmarket, and they are able to take people to Newmarket and have 15 weeks on a residential course, learn all about you know, stable care, and even if you've not ridden horses, you can start to ride there at the racing school. That is something that I think should be mirrored into Olympic disciplines. Um, we've got lots of young riders that you know, aren't in a position to buy a horse but would like to learn more. And yeah, there's, there's lots of opportunities for a great life in the equestrian world. So we'd like to be able to have a, have a long-term goal of creating a centre that would facilitate people's learning. Yeah. Mm, for sure. Right, I want to um, talk about you and your journey as an athlete as um as an equestrian rider and choosing to represent jamaica what was the thought process was there was there a thought process in it was it just like a, a given for you or was there like something that you really thought hard about yeah um, i've always known that you know, i'm i'm jamaican walking around a town that's not diverse and people ask where are you from mm. you know i always would answer that you know my father's jamaicans proudly yeah and that pride you know did definitely contribute to my decision um, another contributing factor was GB having so much talent. It would be very challenging to get on their team, be selected as, as one of the best four riders. So I chose to try and leave a legacy. And um, I think there's lots of talent in the Caribbean. I took a trip to Jamaica and one with my mum and one a year later with my partner. But we were able to talk with the Olympic Association and the excitement there for equestrian sport is, is something that motivate me to you know create cool ridings and help people claim their citizenship because seeing a jamaican team in my lifetime is something that would be oh, a dream come true yeah because i was going to ask do jamaica have a team like an olympic team we've had an individual samantha albert who's competed in two olympics we haven't had a team yet no oh right right i guess it's because the, the sport isn't as popularized back in jamaica then yeah, it's difficult to tra- travel and transport from Jamaica to international competitions. So um, I I do feel as if it would be a key to be based in Europe. Mm, right, right. Okay, cool. And um, with you and your own sort of career in the in equestrian, in eventing, uh, do you have any particular memorable or challenging, uh, what do you call it, events um, or things that you've competed in that you could, any stories there? Well, I I can remember two or three years of really difficult competitions where I'm trying to raise up a level and just not getting the results. Um, it's it's demoralising, yeah, but I was trying to wing it because I didn't have the experts around me. Um, and my mum was determined to change that and contacted people in the top of the sport, get recommendations of coaches and things. And eventually we were able to become real consistent competitors going out and every event having podium finishes and things. So it's, it's made me very determined and resilient, but um, 
there wasn't a particular event that stood out just because it can be such a long stretch of bad results before Mm. you get a winning streak and yeah it just makes the wins even sweeter really definitely definitely everybody has to experience some kind of setback or failure on your journey to success or wherever you deem it success anyways I'm I'm a strong believer in that I don't Mm. think there's really very in very rare occasions anyway do you come across people that are literally overnight successes literally Mm. Uh, most people the overnight successes we see on tv have failed before and i've gotten up and i've learned over time so um it can be demoralizing i guess it's like how you how you pick yourself up after those kind of things as well yeah bearing in mind there's no role models in the sport to prove that it's possible we don't have that serena williams or that lewis hamilton you know who, who do you talk to like in those kind of moments when things aren't going right who do you look to or talk to um mum definitely had my back saying that you know I've got the ability and I should have more faith in myself so I tried to do just that have more faith in myself sometimes I'm not a big talker you know I keep things in and find the answers and I've been able to just continue pushing with with that same energy yeah I think it's important to have a positive mindset and I, I really think it's think it's possible now with with the contacts I've got um it's taken a long time to get here but we've got to remain positive and um yeah the the journey is going to be going to be one to look back on and hopefully write a movie about yeah for sure we dislike uh, I get a sense you're very a very determined and a very driven very focused I should say determined and focused like you're determined and you know what you want and I'll say it again you're very young and I feel like in my experience I usually come across from come across that kind of an attitude from people that are maybe a bit older and I've gone through certain things or whatnot what would you attribute that kind of would you say first of all that's a fair thing to say and if so what would you attribute that towards in your lifetime Mm. yeah young and determined sure I mean I don't feel that young anymore really not sure (laughs) 25 falls into that category now but um, I'm impatient that's for sure yeah I think um, being a young person looking up at the riders that I emulated you know that that just made me very hungry so um, yeah just got to use the skills that that I've hopefully got and get there yeah Um, yeah keeping positive keeping positive can be tough sometimes but but what can you do? Just um, be grateful. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's all I am is, it's grateful, really. Yeah, what are you grateful for? Having these horses in the first place. You know, there's plenty of people that don't. I might want to be further along in my career and riding at a higher level, but, you know, I've, I've, had, I've, I've had the opportunities that I've been able to grab hold of. So hopefully I'll be able to yeah, offer other people the same, some opportunities they can grab hold of. And you know, next weekend, you know, we've got a lovely training event for the whole of Cool Ridings, 19 riders heading to the National Training Centre in Leicester. So we'll all be having ridden sessions and unmounted sessions too to learn more about the sport and you know how to feed your horse the best nutrients and things like that. So it's going to be a fun educational day and um, you know just attracting the right sponsors and media activity to that kind of thing can propel all of the young riders with dreams you know I've seen some great campaigns in the US where um, Ralph Lauren partnered up with 
a riding academy called Work to Ride. They support black polo players and the campaign was incredible. I've been very inspired by all of that, along with you know, Alex Hoitian, who rides for China. He was only 18 when he was China's first representative in eventing. Since then, you know, horse sport has gone through the roof in China and there's a team and they're really, really credible, credible riders. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can, we can do something similar. And when you're speaking with these other, so you've got the event like next week, for example, and just in general, when you come across other riders who are a lot, early, a lot earlier on their own careers, what sort of advice do you give people like that? If you, if if it was you starting all over again, mm-hmm. like what advice would you say? Okay, would you give yourself and to these other young riders? It is difficult because I'm still trying to forge a path for myself. So mm. again, I don't have all the answers, but having the confidence is key. So I, I make sure that they, they feel confident in their ability. There are coaches out there that wouldn't maybe praise them. And I want to make sure that they know that they've got that ability, that they can continue building on the skills and anything's possible. You know, I was walking around a canter track, which it's a it's like a narrow narrow canter lane uh, where you exercise horses around a field and it just stuck in my head because I was with Tiana who rides beautifully and has the ability to represent St Vincent and I told her that and I could see the penny just dropped and it was an exciting moment for her you know a jaw dropped and she just suddenly had that belief so being able to provide that moment and inspiration I think will um, change the sport yeah yeah I'm a massive believer as well that oftentimes we internalize a lot of the messaging that we hear and you just telling someone something and them like you know being as happy as they are we, we internalize a lot of things we hear which is why it's very important for us mm-hmm. to to take in the right kind of things to mm-hmm. maybe be around the right kind of people who are going to encourage us mm-hmm. of course you know you take on board like whatever like whatever, but then it's really important though, to hear the right kind of things and that um yeah i'm a massive believer in that for sure um, with you and all of the work that you do so and you do quite a few things as well you've also got your your job in diversity equity inclusion you've got mm-hmm. core writings you've got your your career and other bits you're working on here and there with you and everything you do what's your vision that drives you uh, the vision that we'd be able to train with excellent coaches that have got experience and help the next generation to kind of realize their potential and I think that comes from leading from the front you know 2024 Olympics is just around the corner um, I would be behind schedule for that and I'm having conversations that might might make the difference for the future you know I, I'm just a little bit on tender hooks because of the amount of money this all costs you know I know corporations and partnerships with corporations is the only way forward so until I'm able to close something major you know the Olympics is something that's um, just not reachable right now my horses are a bit young so I'd need another one Um, the fact my employer has stood with me and um, and got behind what I'm doing is is something that is groundbreaking and you know Howden insurance are entering the equestrian world with a real bang they've donated to training and there's a new syllabus for all riders to benefit from so i i can see real change coming and it's so special to be part of that yeah 
amazing amazing and what advice would you give to somebody who's trying to actively drive change in industry maybe at their place of work whatever wherever they are and they've got a vision and they're trying to drive some change what advice would you give someone mm. like that just be authentic and think really big outside the box you know nothing's too crazy no one's untouchable these decision makers want to hear from you so reach out make it impressive you know i've got riders that are a little bit daunted by the amount of money that their dreams will cost and think there's no point of course there's a point you've just got to think of how you get in front of the right people you know so um networking's key and tell your story yeah even when you're tired and demoralized yeah it seems like with the in the question world one of the main barriers to entry is the money side of things like it can be very pricey yeah yeah, yeah. you've got to be really committed and be able to finance it for sure and then if not then try and get in front of the right just maybe try and be creative i guess in some way shape or form try and get some sponsors get in front of the right people that kind of thing do what you gotta do tell your story storytelling is powerful massive massive believer in that and i say there's eight billion people in the world there's only one you and mm-hmm. your story is what makes you unique as well so tell it to everyone mm-hmm. i'm from here i'm this blah blah, blah. just tell your story man and um, some people latch on to your story um for sure and i'm sure you've done that in your own career and journey so far and people have latched on and because they believe in you they believe in your story be authentic like you said and then they've come along to support in whatever way they can mm. um, and I've certainly done that in my career along the way I've told my story to certain people here and there um, some people like it as long as you're authentic they'll come on board they can support you in whatever way you can so yeah. for sure man um, yeah, yeah. be around the right people so you know there's been situations where I've been open and people don't like what I've said you know around cool ridings this could be um, in the countryside and yeah, their reaction has been, I want nothing to do with you. So that's very telling, and I want nothing to do with them either. So, yeah. Yeah. Values got to align, doesn't it? So yeah. <laughs> if the values don't align, then it's not going to work. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you come across much resistance when, uh, yeah, with, your, with you, and maybe where you live is not as diverse and you're mm. working to actively mm. increase diversity in the sport or whatnot? Do you come across much resistance? I think there's plenty of covert resistance. <laughs> right. Yeah. And um, it sometimes gets back to me. And I think on the most part, it probably doesn't. But I've got my head down and I'm working hard. So I'm not looking to find out what people's views are. I'm just building initiatives. Um, there's mixed views on it. Yeah, and I'm not someone that wants to be seen as you know, feeling entitled. Um, it's not the case. You know, it's, it's improving the sport for everyone. And we'll all feel the benefits, yeah. But then you probably come. You've probably got loads of allies you've met along the way as well. For sure. People that have like really long helped you. Yeah, yeah, long list. And you know, just recently, in 2020, perhaps I met a fantastic girl called Mia Benton, and Mia's been able to create content for me with her fantastic photography skills. Come to events early mornings, helps me with mink and and my just yeah, my mindset too. So allies are important and i hold them very dear and hopefully they feel appreciated yeah, yeah. is it me that takes those photos on your instagram yeah 80 percent of them i'd oh, say lovely professional looking <laughs> photos yeah i'm very lucky <laughs> that's really cool okay so as we prepare to wrap up uh just you and your own journey what's next for you oh and for cool ridings and mm. yeah what's what's next on horizon well i really enjoy being able to um 
work in insurance and use insurance as a force for good. So I'll be looking to create events with my employer, Howden, and attracting talent into the insurance industry is something they're passionate about. So working together on that is... Um, is something that's lining up with eventing really well because it needs a new audience and I'd love to see people enjoy free entry to British events and you know they can contact me if, if they'd like any information of how to find them. Um, just continue being a relatable point of contact in the industry and training my horses to the best of my ability. I'd like to grow my string and be able to be able to make it to 2024 really Tevin but we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah, great, amazing. Thank mm-hmm. you, thank you so much, then, for coming to the podcast. Really enjoyed you coming on, coming to share your story, coming to tell us about the amazing work you're doing in cool ridings, yeah. the work you're doing as an individual, thank everything, you. and then um, learning <laughs> about right. about the sport. Great questions, made me think. Really right. made me think. Thank <laughs> no, you, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it, and then I appreciate the vulnerability as well. Uh, speaking speaking about your mum and mm-hmm. how she helps and everything like that. I'm, uh, Massive believer um, in vulnerability. It's not always easy to be vulnerable, but I feel that when people are vulnerable, it does really, it really helps because mm. not everybody does it. So um, well, I appreciate it. She'd want a mention. Yeah. yeah, she's here with me. If I didn't mention her, I'd, I'd get told off. <laughs> 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 I, I appreciate it. So thank Thanks, you. Um, and yeah, thank you for everything. So <laughs> as we wrap up, where can, if people want to keep up to date with you and the work you're doing, mm. how can they best do so? Sure, I'm on Instagram, Lydia Hayward, H-E-Y, and Cool mm. Ridings is too. So they have a, we've got a website, coolridingsequestrian.com. It's being revamped at the minute, so um, yeah. Something just came to my head actually, Cool Ridings, is it? Uh, the the Jamaican bobsleigh team, what are they called? Cool Runnings. You got it. Was that the, the inspiration? Yeah. I was in High Commission in London talking about gaining nationality for this journey. And the High Commissioner, oh, yeah, a fantastic man called uh, George Ramekin, and he envisioned a movie called Cool Ridings in our meeting. So I wanted to run with it. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully he's proud. Yeah, <laughs> we're manifested it, man. Soon we'll be watching yeah. Cool Ridings in the cinemas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Maybe 2028. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> sometime soon, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, cool. So thanks for coming on. Uh, have you got any final words in closing that you want to share? Uh, stay hungry. That's it. Yeah. Nice. Stay <laughs> hungry. Cool. So thank you for coming on once again. Really sure. appreciated it. Appreciate everything you've had to share with us. Uh, for everybody for listening in. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, like and share. It really, really does help us in amplifying the voices of these amazing people getting a podcast. So Please do do whatever you can, share, send it to your friend, tell them to share, tell them to share, tell them all to subscribe, leave us a rating, all those kind of things. So uh, please do. We're on a mission to interview 1,000 Black British changemakers and mm-hmm. it really, really does help um, those little things. So leave us a rating, all those kind of things. But that's that for now. Thank you for coming to the podcast, Lydia. Thank you, Kevin. This is 1,000 Voices. And for now, people, we're out. Thank you for tuning into this episode of 1000 Voices. It is very much appreciated and I hope you were able to extract some value and enjoy this conversation that we've just had. If you don't already, please do follow us on our social media pages at 1000 Voices UK and drop us a message letting us know what you thought about this episode and what you think about 1000 Voices in general. We will be back next week, Tuesday, as we always are with a new episode of the podcast and we will drop a little snippet onto our Instagram page. So follow us there if you'd like to see that before it comes out. But that's that for now. Thank you for tuning in. This is 1000 Voices. And for now, we're out.